This is Relationship Truth Unfiltered, a podcast that ditches destructive traditions and delves into real biblical teaching about relationships. Welcome. I'm Julie Sedanko here with relationship expert Leslie Burnick. And today we're going to talk about conflict, which every person listening has experienced. But it's especially difficult when you're in conflict with a destructive person or in a destructive relationship. So Leslie, let's talk about what typically happens in a destructive relationship when there's conflict. Well, everybody has conflict. So first let's just normalize it. When you have two people who have different personalities, different cultures, different upbringings, different genders, different belief systems, or just plain old different opinions. You're going to have conflict on things. And conflict isn't bad. It's not sinful. The Bible tells us that we're going to have conflict. I think the disciples disagreed with things. Um, They argued with Jesus about things. When Jesus allowed the woman to pour expensive perfume on their feet, it says the disciples were kind of outraged. They said, Jesus, this money could be used to feed the poor for a whole year. And so there was some conflict about how to use money. And so there's conflict in a church, there's conflict in a family, there's conflict between parents and children, there's conflict between husband and wife. So I think the first thing that I would just say is conflict is not sinful, it's normal. It's normal when you have differences in different people, it's normal to have disagreements and different priorities and different values. And so what we have to do is learn to manage conflict that, hey, we're on the same team and we've got to figure out how to manage this conflict. What do we do about our differences or our disagreements? And typically a dysfunctional way of handling conflict is win-lose. Like I win, you lose. And unfortunately in the Christian community, because we believe in, or some people believe in headship and submission and, you know, the hierarchy of a man and all of that, It typically goes that way, that as a man, I get to make the final decision, I get to win, and you get to lose, you get to submit. And that's sort of how it's played out in an unhealthy, dysfunctional family when um, conflict can't be talked about in a reasonable way. And so I think there's a good way to handle conflict, and there's a really unhealthy, toxic way to handle conflict. And win-lose is usually, if that's the typical pattern in a relationship, that usually leads to a broken relationship. So I know sometimes when you're in a discussion, emotions can get really high and, you know, maybe there's yelling or door slamming or whatever. What is the line? When, what should a person do when those emotions get really strong? Should she just walk away or when is it sin? And what should you do when you're feeling such strong emotions? So the first thing that you have to do when you recognize you're feeling strong emotions is recognize it because otherwise you could do some damage. So it's the same thing. If you recognize you're going to throw up, it'd be good to know that you're going to throw up so that you don't throw up on someone else, that you go to the bathroom and throw up. So I think that understanding our emotional regulation and how intense we're feeling and at what level it can be just loud or at what level it gets mean and loud. And there's a difference. So if I'm, if I'm having a conflict with my children and I get loud and say, stop it right now, I think, you know, or stop talking right now, you know, or whatever it is, that's really not a conflict. That's more of a discipline moment. But I think sometimes you need loud to 
get over the noise in the group. But if I'm calling them names, I'm throwing things, I'm saying ugly things, well, I need to know that I'm at a level of capacity in my emotions that I'm not going to show up in a good way. I'm not going to show up as a parent or as a wife or as a person, a business leader, wherever, whatever position I'm in, I'm not showing up well because my emotions are taking over. And I think that's where conflict can be harmful to the relationship when we aren't showing up as a, let's fix this, let's resolve this, let's understand this, let's talk about this. I'm coming at it as you need to do what I said and I need to win. So what if you're in a discussion with somebody and it literally doesn't matter what you say? It could be the most common sense argument that anybody would understand. And this, maybe it's your husband and he's just constantly, it's your fault, um, somehow turning it around and you're just, it's so frustrating. How do you deal with somebody like that when there's, there's like no winning? Well, there you go, I guess, win and lose, right? But there's no getting through to them. There's there's really no resolution to a problem. And there are marriages that are in that place where as calm, as constructive, as loving, uh, you know, all of that healthy as you try to be, the other person isn't. They're not healthy. They're not willing. They're not able um, and the Bible gives us resources for that. It says in Romans, for example, for as much as it depends on you, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with people. But it's really clear. It doesn't just depend on you. The other person has a part to play in this conflict. The other person has a part to play in the resolution of the conflict. And when someone refuses to talk, won't engage or engages in harmful, ugly, attacking, vicious ways, blame shifting, you know, accusing you of things that aren't true. And then you're just arguing back and forth about everything instead of just dealing with the conflict. Um, you know that it's toxic. It takes its toll on you. And so I think the best strategy for that is acceptance that this person is not able or capable and you can't resolve the conflict with this person. Now, what does that mean for the long-term stability of the relationship is different. You know, it's a different answer, but but to keep arguing and pushing and wanting to get them to understand when they don't really want to understand, they don't want to listen, they don't want to hear you, they don't give you equal voice is like what Jesus says, don't keep casting your pearls before swine, lest they turn on you and trample you with it. So I think our, especially women who are in destructive marriages and they're, and they're trying to argue with their husbands and say, you know, maybe if I just listen to Leslie's podcast, she'll give me the right words and he'll get it. I could have a good discussion with your husband. They don't want to get it. They, they don't, don't like they it. want to be right and they want to win. They don't want to listen and understand. There's a very different conflict resolution process with someone who wants to understand your point of view and wants to hear you and listen from a person who just wants to be right and wants to win all the time. Because then that makes you have to be wrong and lose all the time. So what do you do if you've got to solve a problem? You know, you've got a broken water heater and he doesn't want to spend the money and you're like, we really need hot water. I mean, that has to be solved. How do you work something like that out with someone who's not going to listen? I think it, it depends on each family. So if you have the resources to do it, it might be, 
you may not want to use the resources, but I do. And I'm the one who does the wash and I'm the one who bathes the kids and I'm the one who, you know, wants the hot water heater. So I'm calling a hot heater provider and getting it fixed. And maybe you say that, or maybe you don't say it, you just do it. And I think that's where the submission question right. starts getting really dicey because do I have to submit to his unreasonableness to my own peril, to my own peril? So if, if I need to go to the doctor, I feel a lump in my breast and my husband doesn't want me to go because we can't afford the copay. Am I supposed to submit and just trust God that somehow my lump will go away or it won't grow just because he doesn't want to spend the money? And maybe we have money, but he doesn't want to spend it on me. He's fine spending it on him for his toys or his cars or his pleasures or his purposes, but for to spend it on me for my self-care, no, that's not allowed. And then as a good wife, do I just acquiesce to that? Or is that really enabling his sinfulness and his selfishness to continue to do more harm. So you don't necessarily then have to come to a resolution, but you yourself would need to come to a decision. Would that be correct? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether So, so some, some conflicts don't come to resolution, even in a healthy marriage. There's been times when my husband and I would say, we're going to have to wait because we don't agree on this. So let's just think about it. Let's pray about it and let's calm down. Right. And so that's not a dysfunctional closure for the moment. It's a healthy closure of saying, you know, you see things one way, I see things another way. We should send our kids to a Christian school. We should send them to a public school. How are we going to, you know, whatever the argument is about, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, we should go home for Christmas. We should stay home for Christmas. Where do, you know, where do we solve this problem? Um, and I think this is very typical of families and they have to don't merely look out for your own interests, but look out for the interests of others. You know, think about their side of the street, how, what is it that they need? What is it? And if both people do that, you usually can come to some sort of compromise where it's not a win-lose. It's a, I feel good about this. I feel good about this. It may not be totally what I wanted, but we came to a solution that works for both of us, but it might not happen immediately. But in a, in a relationship where there is always a win-lose and you do it my way or the highway kind of mentality, then I think a woman is, in a, in a, especially a Christian woman, has hard choices to make in that does submission, first of all, does headship mean that he gets to decide everything? I don't believe that's what biblical headship is, but some people have been taught that so they get confused. So biblical headship means... Well, he has to decide everything and I have to just go along with everything. I don't think that was the design of headship. I think the design of headship as Jesus modeled it was servanthood that, Hey, you get to serve first. You're the initiator. You're the head. You're the starter of servanthood in the family, right? So he showed that through his foot washing example with his disciples. And he also told his disciples in that episode that, Hey, you know, the rulers who rule over the Gentiles with their authority and they do it unjustly, not so with you. I don't want you to be the head that way. So it's not about win-lose. It's not about power over someone else that he wants us to use our position of power. So if you have a position of power as a man, as a head of the family, you're not to use it that way. And so I think that's been some misteaching in the church, or at least as certain men have interpreted the teaching of headship and Jesus, yeah. that they get to decide everything. That's not the truth. That's not what the Bible teaches. So if a woman can come to closure about that in her own conscience between her and the Lord and say, Hey, just cause he's the head of 
he has headship doesn't mean he gets to decide for me everything. And I get relegated to the status of a child once I get married and I have to obey everything. You have a mind, you have thoughts, you're a grown up. And so if you need to do something for your stewardship and well-being of you and the family, it might be that you have to say, my decision is that I'm getting the water heater fixed, or I'm getting the plumbing fixed, or I'm getting the washer fixed because I can't keep going to the laundromat any, every day. This needs to be fixed. And I'm calling a repairman. And whether you feel safe enough to tell him that ahead of time, or you just do it, you might have to do it. One of your teachings has been really helpful to me. And I know a lot of people who like me or maybe an arguer and don't give up so easily. And so it's easy for the arguments to escalate. And that is the teaching on Jade. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So these are acronyms. They're not designed by me. Uh, they're on the internet world, but they're helpful. And so Jade is J-A-D-E. And that's an acronym that you can kind of keep tuck in your brain that if you are in an argument with someone, these four qualities usually happen. We justify why we did what we did. That's J. We A, we argue back and forth. We defend why we did what we did. And we explain E. So J is justify, A is argue, D is defend, and E is explain. We do all those things quite naturally and normally and appropriately in a normal argument back and forth. There's nothing wrong with that. However, when you're doing that with someone, you're justifying like, let's think of an example like, you know, I'm justifying why I need the washing machine fixed because I don't want to keep going to the laundromat and I'm arguing with my husband because he doesn't want to spend the money and I'm defending, hey, you know, I have to do 20 loads of laundry a day. I can't, I'm a, a week. I cannot go to laundromat three times a week. I don't have the time to do that. And you're, you know, explaining why you have to, and he won't, he won't, he keeps blaming you or you're just not, you know, what's wrong with you that you can't do this. You must be an inadequate wife and you're defending your, you know, all of that. When you keep going round and round that circle and you're getting nowhere, stop, stop justifying, stop arguing, stop defending, stop explaining because they don't want to hear you. It's not like you're having a conversation. You're not exactly. having a conversation back and forth where someone listens to your arguments and says, oh, well, that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Or they're listening to your explanation saying, okay, let's compromise. Or, you know, there's no back and forth of listening. You're just, as soon as you explain, they will do something that you have to defend yourself. And as soon as you defend yourself, they will do something that you have to justify yourself. And then you're back to arguing and then you're back to explain. And it just feels exhausting. It is and, exhausting. And, and it's crazy like, making. well, if I just come up with another way to explain it, then he'll get it. Well, maybe if he listens to this sermon, then he'll get it. And you, it's just becomes all consuming to try to get them to get it. And they don't want to get it. That's the bottom line. Well, that's the bottom line. And I think you're really right on saying that because when you realize that someone doesn't want to get it, then quit casting your pearls before swine, quit trying to get them to get it. Jesus didn't keep wasting his energy and people who didn't want to get it. He said, you're blind, you're like whitewashed tombs, you don't want to get it. And I think that it's hard to live with someone who doesn't want to get it. But if they don't want to get it, what do you need to do in order mm -hmm. to take care of you and your kids is really the better question, not how do I get him to get it? I get that you don't have a good relationship. I get that he doesn't want to get you, that he doesn't care enough about you to get you, to know who you are, to know what you think. To, you're just... In his mind, you're a role to do what he wants. Like my cell phone. I don't get my cell phone. I, it just does what I want it to do. 
and it does what I want it to do. And when it stops doing what I want it to do, I'm going to get rid of it and get a different cell phone. And so it's, it's not that you're not valuable to him, but you're not personal to him. And so your opinion doesn't matter. And when you finally get that, don't let that define you. You are not a cell phone. Even if he treats you as one, you're not an object. You're a person and you do have an opinion and you do have thoughts and you do have feelings and you do have explanations. He won't hear them. So resolving conflict becomes impossible. Impossible. Yeah. And you have to accept that. And so stop asking for that. Stop looking for that and just solve the problem yourself. That's a really hard place to come to. It, it is. really is because you, you, it's kind of a finality and then, okay, now what? And well, what does a person do? So here's where you get more information. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh my gosh, I have to get this to happen. Well, you can't make that happen, but you can say, okay, I'm not going to argue with him anymore about this. Instead of even asking his opinion or doing this because it's been a pattern over 20 years that we don't get anywhere. And now I'm living with a broken washer and I'm living with a broken toilet and I'm living with ripped up carpet and I'm living with, you know, whatever it is um, of his indifference or his not wanting to spend the money or him not taking the time or him not partnering with me on a decision. It's either his way or the highway and his way. Sometimes I can do that with a good spirit. And sometimes it's just plain wrong. I'm yes. not going to do that. I'm not going to allow him to curse at the kids or, you know, hit them in inappropriate ways. And I'm going to have to stand up or speak up or do something to protect my family or protect myself. And that may look to others as if I'm being unsubmissive. And I think this is why listening to podcasts like this, partnering yourself with other women who are going through this can help you realize you are not alone. And you still might be a very God-centered, godly woman who wants to do the right thing, but you can't take your marching orders about that from your husband because he's not acting godly. Right. You have to take your marching orders from the Holy Spirit about what's your next right step forward. So let's say that you take the next right step. We're just going to use very simple examples. Like I'm going to get the washing machine fixed. There is no way I'm going to go. And I have the money to do it. We have the money in the bank. I am not going to you know, or we don't have the money in the bank and I'm going to take a part-time job cleaning three houses to get the money to fix my washing machine because it's easier for me to clean three houses than for me to do laundry three times a week at the laundromat for the next year, right? Yes. So be resourceful, do what you need to do, get your washing machine fixed. And if he doesn't like it, you can acknowledge, I can understand that you're mad that I did what you didn't want me to do, but I had to take care of me and what I need to do. So you can show respect for his displeasure and his dislike without feeling like you're having to always cave in to his agenda of what he wants and doesn't want, especially when it's hurtful to you or the kids. Feeling inspired by the wisdom you've been soaking up today? If you're nodding along and thinking, yes, I want more of that, then you're going to love what we have for you. Walking in Core Strength is the ultimate program for women like you, ready to break free from destructive relationship patterns. Led by Leslie Vernick's team of phenomenal coaches, this isn't just another class. It's a game changer for your life. So, if you're sick of being stuck and are ready to step into your true potential, head over to lesliebernick.com forward slash strength and sign up now. Let's make it happen. There's another acronym that you teach sometimes it's out there on the internet biff just being brief informative what is it fair and firm firm and friendly 
firm and friendly. Talk about that one. Yeah, this is more for really high conflict conversations um, where you have to have strong boundaries. So it probably isn't where you're living with your spouse at this point. Maybe you're separated. Maybe you're going through a divorce. It's a contentious divorce. And he's, you know, bombing you with texts, emails, phone calls of you did this and you're that and I want this and blah, blah, blah. And you're just getting overwhelmed with these destructive, toxic conversations. Um, and you're, you know, you keep trying to be the bigger person. You keep trying to respond in a godly way and, you know, it goes nowhere. It just, you keep getting more and more and more. So this is a tool that helps you stay what we call in core strength, mm -hmm. but not allow yourself to get caught in the whirlpool of his toxicity. And it's, uh, it was developed by Bill Eddy, and it's not mine, but it's another helpful way of remembering. So let's say that you're texting, he's texting you about something, or you need to text him about the children and pick up and, you know, what they need. You're going to be brief. Hi, just wanted you to know the kids get out of school early on Thursday when you're going to pick them up. So brief, informative, you've just informative, firm. I won't be available by phone or text that day because I'm going out of town for work or you don't even have to tell them I won't be available until six o'clock that day. Thanks. Take care. Bye. So you're brief, you're firm, or brief, informative, firm and friendly. You don't ask any questions. And if you do, it's the same way. What time are you, you know, brief? Hi, what time are you picking the kids up on Saturday? I won't be available all morning. So it'll have to be afternoon. Take care. Bye. So that's brief, informative, firm, and friendly so that you don't get caught up in any of the defending or the jade stuff. You don't get caught up in justifying right. anything. You don't get caught up in arguing about anything. You don't get caught up in defending anything or explaining anything. You just give the information he needs to know. So it's a very superficial conversation. You're not sharing any feelings. You're not sharing any thoughts. You are just sharing information, but you're doing it in a firm yet friendly way. And then when you get a novel back from him, even though you were brief, informative, uh, firm and friendly, and he just blows up your phone, how do you respond to that? Well, there's a variety of ways that you can do that. So one of the things I suggest is that you um, don't read it and that mm. you that you forward it to a third party if he's not respecting your boundaries. So if you say, hey, I don't want to get into any of this anymore. Obviously, we don't see eye to eye on things and I'm not willing to re keep rehashing this. So that's your boundary. I'm not willing. So when he keeps rehashing this on the, you know, whatever, like, why won't you let me come home? And you're so ungodly. And I don't know who you're listening to. You must be listening to that Leslie Barnick because she's, you know, whatever um, they say <laughs> to you, you can just ignore all that and not respond because you're not going to talk about your feelings. You're not going to talk about your thoughts anymore because if you're in this place of doing this Biff conversation, you've tried all of that ad nauseum and it gets yeah. you nowhere. So this is a sanity tool to help you when there is no resolution of conflict. There is no resolution. There's just mechanics that needs to be communicated back and forth regarding either finances, the children, or maintenance of the house or the selling of the house. Those are the three things that may need to be communicated. 
no feelings, no thoughts, no ideas about anything else. That needs to be communicated because you're still co-owning the house or you're still dividing the finances. You're still parenting the children and you want it to be brief, informative, firm, and friendly. So just ignore all that. You can, if he's bombarding you with lots of things, if you have an attorney, that's expensive. If you have a good friend who's willing to help you, you can forward all that to her and just say, please read through this if there's anything I need to know. So if he's threatening your life in there, Mm. you might need to know that, but you don't want to have to read everything to find that out, right? So you forward it to a friend and maybe someone's willing to read that through to see if there's anything you need to know in that piece of information that's five pages long, but you don't want to get yourself all upset by reading it. Going back to that, getting all upset, do you have any tools where somebody, whether they're in an emotional conversation, like we talked about earlier, or it's frustrating because they now have to realize that he doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear. And there's a lot of emotions packed up with that. What are some tools that somebody can do to deal with those strong emotions in a healthy way? Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the the best things that I think is really important is to ground yourself in the internal. So we think about the internal and those of you who've watched our Facebook lives, we have this little chart. So if you just think of a chart with two sides, like one side says internal, that's your work to do and external, that's what's happening outside. That when I need my internal, I need the external to go a certain way in order for me to be okay, then I'm very vulnerable, right? Mm. So if I need the weather to be sunny in order for me to be in a good mood, and I live in a climate where it rains a lot, I'm really vulnerable to being depressed, right? So I have to work on my internal so that maybe I need a light lamp or whatever I need in order to be okay with it raining all the time, because that's how it is outside of where I live. Um, So if you need him to understand in order for you to be okay, then you're going to keep escalating in order to get what you need, right? So, So one thing in preparation for these conversations that you know might be happening, or even before you open your phone to read his text or all that, I don't need him to understand. I don't need him to approve. I don't need him to be okay with this in order for me to go ahead and make my decision. So let's say, you know, even you're going to file for divorce, or let's say you're going to separate, or let's say you're not going to trade weekends, whatever it might be on, you know, the conflict that's going to happen. And he's not okay with that. I don't need him to be okay in order for me to state my truth. I don't want to live like this. I can't keep going this way. I don't want to trade weekends. I understand that that puts you at hardship. I'm really sorry about that, but I'm not willing to continue to do this this way. You don't have to say all that to him, but you do have to say that to you. So that's one way of keeping your emotions down because our emotions get escalated when we like, come on, you need to understand. Why aren't you understanding? And we start getting more and more desperate for them to understand or angry that they're not understanding or they're not hearing us or they're not accepting what we have to say. And we need them to do that in order for us to be okay. So a little prep ahead of time can really help you to say, wait a minute, I I would like that, but I don't need that. So that can help you ahead of time. But if you're in the fray and you find yourself escalating, I think the best thing that you can do is recognize I'm escalating. And because I'm escalating, I may not show up in the way that I want to. I may say or do things that I regret 
And I don't want to do that, especially in this place, because he can use it against me with the children. He can use it against me in court. He can use it against me, especially if I type it out. Um, that's a really dangerous place to do. So I need a break. I don't communicate with him when I'm not functioning in a good way. So all you have to do is if you're in his presence, say, you know what? I've got to go to the bathroom. You don't have to say why you have to go to the bathroom. You might not have to go to the bathroom. You might just need to be in the bathroom so that you can calm yourself down so that you can breathe, you know, do the box breath. You can talk to yourself. Wait a minute. I don't need him to be happy with this decision in order for me to be okay. I don't need him to approve of what I'm saying in order for me to be okay. I know I prayed about this. I know it's the right decision. This is what I'm going to do. And I don't need him to understand. So you might have to just talk to yourself and breathe in the bathroom, sit on the pot, do what you need to do to calm your nerves down and then flush the toilet, go back out and say, you know what? I don't know that I want to continue this conversation right now because I don't think it's going in a good place. So I'm going to take a break. And he may not like that, but you get to decide what you're going to do. He doesn't get to decide that for you. Just some idea a little bit of, of what the Bible says about conflict so that we can keep that in mind as we're dealing with this person. You know, the Bible says that we are going to have conflict and it says that we're to care about one another and support one another and listen to one another. It doesn't mean, it doesn't say that we have to agree with everybody or that all women have to agree with all men or all women have to submit to all men. Um, it doesn't say men get their way all the time or that men to get to make every decision all the time, but we are going to have conflict. So I think number one, if we normalize it, that conflict is normal, we're going to have it. And the second is that we're responsible for our side of the street. So as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. So get your side of the street clean, do what you need to do to be in a good space. And if you're not in good space, I think it's okay to say, just like if you were feeling nauseous, you would say, you know what? I just can't, I can't, I can't continue this conversation right now. You know, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't think I'm not at my best or I'm exhausted. I can't sleep. You know, I didn't sleep all night. I can't, I'm not at my best. I can't be in this high conflict conversation. If you're not being your best self or close to your best self, it's probably not a good time to engage in conflict or to even start a conflict if someone else isn't at their best self and doesn't know how to say that, right? If someone just got you know, home from a busy day at work and you're bringing up all kinds of stuff, it's probably not the best time to, to engage in a conflict. And so to be able to try to do it at your best time, I think is something the Bible tells us that we're to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers or peace fakers. And I think for so many women, we've been accommodating peace fakers. Like we've, you know, the Bible says that the prophets in Jeremiah's time promised their people peace, peace when there is no peace. And I think we've become placators, we've become um, people pleasers, we've become accommodators in order to not have conflict to our own detriment. We've lost ourselves because we don't have our voice. We don't even know our own opinion anymore because our own opinion didn't matter. So we never voiced it. We've never developed it. We never even thought about it because it was just, it's easier to get along, to just defer, to accommodate, to do what they want to our own peril, to our own peril. And I think to someone else's peril, because I think two who have a good argument grow stronger together. Like I learned from that person, that person learned from me and we get stronger because of that. I know sometimes I had to recognize a little bit, I guess, of my own hypocrisy that I was so frustrated that I wasn't being heard. And then I realized, oh, but I'm not listening either. Mm -hmm. 
how can we be better at listening to the other person, even if we don't agree with them? Mm -hmm. So couples who don't do that well. So one of the things I would do is I would have one of those like timers that the, you know, the sand would flow through the thing. And so that would be one tool. And maybe it's a three minute timer or whatever to say, Hey, we're not listening well to each other. So how about we just put this timer up and you get to talk till the sand is done. Cause you can, you know, sometimes people will lecture you and lecture you and lecture you for hours on yes. end and you, and you can't, you know, nobody can listen that long without feeling like they're ready to throw up at the other person. <laughs> so to create some structure to it, say, Hey, I really want to be a good listener. And I really want to hear your heart. I don't know that I have capacity to do it as long as we've done it in the past. So I do want to hear you, but I'm going to ask you to keep it to three minutes or five minutes so that I can listen well. And then I can take some time to reflect on what you said. So, so that can show someone who's been a domineering bully lecturer that you still care about their opinion, but they're going to have to change the way they do it. Now, whether they choose to honor your request is up for grabs. Yeah. But I think those are your boundaries. Hey, five minutes is my max. I cannot, I don't have the capacity to listen longer than that and hold everything you're saying. So I can only consider five minutes worth of content before I need to take some time to think about it. If I have a whole hour, how do I know what's most important to you? So tell me what's most important right now. That's all I can listen to right now. And so if you can stay calm on your side of the street, perhaps they can do that. The Bible tells us in, in Proverbs 15, 1, that I think is really important here. We're talking about conflict. A gentle answer turns away wrath, yes. but a harsh word serves up strife. And we've all experienced this when, let's say, we're in conflict with our credit card company. They've billed us wrong or they charged us too much for something. And we call and we get a snarky clerk or a customer service person, and we're already upset. And then they're telling us to, you know, calm down and, you know, you don't need to talk to me this way. And it's like, it just lights our fire. We just yeah. get more and more angry. Right. And so notice that because when you have a really calm customer service person, when you're really fired up and they say, Oh, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Vernick, you know, this shouldn't have happened. Let me take care of that for you. I'm like immediately feeling like a jerk. Right. Like immediately the, the mirror is reflected on me and I stop right? And I stopped spewing because they have acknowledged that there is a problem and they're willing to help me. And so it helps me to get a grip. So I think when your husband is furious for you to match that with fury too, it's only like gasoline and a match. It's only going to escalate. So the Bible tells us, and it's not to fake it. It's to say, I really want to hear what you have to say. I see you're really, really angry, but you're scaring me right now. So can we take five minute break just to cool down a little bit, right? So that you stay calm and empathetic and see what they do. And this gives you information because if they really are good people who don't want to hurt you, but just don't know how to manage their emotions, they'll hear that and, and they'll, they'll see, and they'll want to calm down. If they're just selfish, narcissistic bullies who don't care how you feel, whether you feel scared or not, that will show too. And that informs you, wow, there is no conversation or relationship that I'm going to have with this person that can ever be healthy because they really don't care. Yeah. And that is a hard thing to accept and to see, but mm -hmm. it's important to do it because otherwise you're just going to be on a merry-go-round. Right. Yeah. The, the truth is, is hard sometimes. And we've used this analogy a lot. So if you feel a lump in your breast, that's scary but you need more information. 
you need more information to make good choices, right? You don't know what the next right step is until you get more information. And so when you have these conflict relationships, whether it's with your parents or whether it's the girlfriend or whether it's a husband, and there's these patterns that are over and over again, and you start saying, wow, this is destructive. Well, maybe if you get more information by taking a stand, setting a boundary, doing something different, you will get information. Do they respect that? Do they respond to that? Do you matter? Do you have a voice instead of just accommodating, accommodating, conning and being bitter underneath, right? Or blowing up and escalating it. You do something different and see what happens. That gives you more information. Just like if you go to the doctor and get a biopsy, that gives you more information. Whew, it was just nothing. Or, wow, this is truly bad and I need to take the next step. I need chemo or whatever. And truth isn't always pretty, but it is helpful and it sets us free to know what to do next. It really is amazing when you stop reacting and acting like crazy, how then they can't look at you or point to your behavior anymore. And there's become so much more apparent. It really is amazing when you take care of your own side of the street. Mm -hmm. It is. So in conflict that, you know, so it is, you know, important that we talk about the conflict, not attacking the people. Conflict in healthy relationships is about the problem, not attacking the person back and forth. But when you feel that, and this is win-lose kind of pattern, if you keep your side of the street calm, and you might only be able to do that for five minutes before you go to the bathroom. So it's okay to know your limits. Just like we all have limits holding our urine. You know, I got to go to the bathroom. So just go to the bathroom, calm yourself down, um, and then maybe not engage anymore. But you'll see when you take care of you in the conflict, you take care of you. You'll see whether that escalates him or de-escalates him. So when you take care of you, does he care about that? Does he respect that? Does he honor that? Or as you're going to the bathroom, is he yelling and making fun of you? Mm-hmm. Right. Even for you taking care of you. Like not only does he not want to take care of you, but he's going to shame you for taking care of you. Well, that is painful information, but it's important information to see. Wow wow, I'm not even allowed to take care of myself. He doesn't want to take care of me and I'm not allowed to take care of me. It really is all about him. Leslie, what about conflict that may come up again and again and again? And what is a proper response? For instance, you know, maybe a a man had an affair and he's repented and you've forgiven as best you can and you're moving on, but there are things that just come up and trigger and you want to talk it through or whatever, and it turns into an argument, is that something that he should be able to continue talking about? Or is it more, you need to get over it and move on and not bring it up anymore? What What about those types of... I wouldn't conflict? call that a conflict because that's that's just, that's more of an issue that has happened in the past. It's not about a current conflict. It's about something past that isn't resolved. And I think that that's a different issue, but I think if it's not resolved, when someone does something damaging to you or to the relationship, if they don't show compassion for the impact that has caused, right? So if my neighbor um, is sawing down the limbs of his tree and one of his tree limbs falls into my roof and creates a hole in my house, if my neighbor just comes over and says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I'm glad you guys are Christians, you know, take care. And he goes off to the house and, you know, he doesn't care about the damage to my roof and he doesn't offer to pay for it. He doesn't put us up in a hotel while the repairs are being made or any of that kind of stuff. 
I would say this is not a good neighbor. We don't really have a relationship that I matter. And so if a husband's committed affair, that's one of the most grievous breaches in a marriage. It's grounds for divorce. And yes, maybe he's sorry and he feels bad about what he did. But if a wife doesn't have space to say, you need to hear how this has impacted me. And he doesn't want to hear that. Like, this has really devastated my self-esteem, or this has really devastated my trust in you, and I don't know if I'll ever trust you again. And that makes it hard to want to think about our future together, or, you know, trust you with our money if I can't trust you with your body, and all of those kind of, if he can't hear that, I think that's an opportunity for more conversation. So why can't you hear how this has hurt me? So if he says, you know, I'm just... I just feel so bad about what I did. I can't stand to see you so much in pain. That might be w worth working on together with a therapist. Or if it's, you're just trying to rub my nose and into it and you're always trying to bring up my bad things and you know you just can't let it go. Then he's really showing you by his words, he doesn't care about the impact it caused you. Like you're just supposed to get over it. Well, but if it's five, 10 years down the road and you're still reminding the neighbor how his branch fell through the roof then well that's right that so so if the neighbor did show compassion for you and paid for the repairs and did the work and you're still stuck in the past then i think that is your problem and to be able to say wow why aren't i able to get past this and i think this is a, a this is an individual issue not a relationship with your neighbor issue so if the neighbor did say hey oh my gosh i'm so sorry and i'll pay for the repairs and here's you know a voucher for a hotel or go stay in a and b until this is all fixed and i'm you know so sorry and i'll cover all and they showed that impact and you were traumatized by that and in some ways you're still having nightmares and you're still you know having fear that another branch is going to fall into it. That's your work to do. You were traumatized by something that happened to you and go get help for that. But it's not between you and your neighbor at this point. It's just you. You need to do okay. the work. Do you pray for people that are in these difficult relationships, difficult conversations that they would have God's wisdom in dealing with them? Yeah. Lord, I pray for all of us because we're all human being. We're all flawed. We all have misunderstandings about people's motives or their heart and we misjudge and we jump to conclusions and we can read things wrong and we can get stuck in our own stinking thinking. We can get stuck in lies. We can get stuck in fear. And it makes it hard to have healthy relationships at times with people, especially when they have done something that has hurt us. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to just not always make it about the other person, even when some of it is about the other person. They have hurt us. They have done something wrong. But sometimes the damage to us is that we have to do our own work. If a drunk driver crashes into my car and I'm in the hospital, they can be as sorry as can be, and I still have to do my own work because my leg's broken or whatever it is that's impacted me. I'm going to have to do my own work from the trauma of what happened. And Lord, it feels unfair and it feels like that's so unjust that we have to recover from their stupidity. And yet, and yet there is a purpose in our doing our work that can take us to the next place of maturity as well. So Lord, help us not to resent the work that we have to do to heal, to grow, to become stronger, even through adversity. Father, help us to 
learn how to manage conflict, learn how to be respectful in conflict, learn to manage our emotions when we're in conflict so that we don't make it worse and that we can solve problems instead of attacking one another. But when someone is attacking us, Lord, help us not to get defensive or reactive and attack back, but help us to put a boundary down so that we don't allow ourselves to continue to be harmed over and over again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today, everyone. We've covered some incredible insights, and I hope you're feeling inspired to take action in your life. If you're ready to dive deeper into personal growth and break free from those limiting beliefs, then walking in core strength is your next step. Don't let another day go by feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Head over to lesliegrunick.com forward slash strength and sign up for walking in core strength today. It's time to reclaim your power and live life on your terms. Until next time, may God bless all of your relationships with him, with yourself, and with others.